When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and words we've been waiting to say for quite some time. It is officially game week. South Carolina getting ready to take on North Carolina up in Charlotte on Saturday in prime time on ABC. It's going to be the game of the day. No question about it. A lot of great games actually this weekend, but as far as Saturday goes, that will certainly be the biggest of them all he's in turn joe i'm mike you appreciate you guys tuning in tonight joe we've been talking about this season going back to last year even before i'd say the gator bowl because once the regular season ends even though there's a bowl game still left to be played and that game will be thrown on from a record standpoint to that previous year you start to look ahead though you start to look ahead to what is coming up on the horizon. And for the South Carolina team, from a positional standpoint, there were a lot of unknowns. There's still some unknowns as we head into this week one game, and we'll discuss that. Yeah. However, the way they were able to flip the roster, whether you look at a position like tight end or you look at a position even like the offensive line, And again, there's some unknowns in some of these positions, offensive line being one of them, but they were able to bring in some talented pieces. That starts, of course, with Nick Gargiulo. This South Carolina team, and this was the story for me today from the press conference, there's so many unknowns. Shane Beamer's aware of it. The players are aware of it. Offensive uh, coordinator, right? New, New play calling. There's so many unknowns. For you, Joe, as we head into this week one matchup, yeah, it could be a concern. It could be something that just grabs your attention. What's the most intriguing unknown about this team for you against North Carolina? Yeah, um, at least for me, uh, the most intriguing unknown is probably the running back room. Obviously, we know it's going to be DK Joyner and Juju McDowell, the two guys that are most are going to shoulder most of the load out of the backfield. But I'm interested to see how much the running backs really get used, um, you know, because obviously it's been a big question going into the season. It's a fresh offense with Dallas. So we don't really know what it looks like and how much this offense kind of depends on the running backs. So I don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, I, like I said, I think DK's the guy um, going forward at running back. And until he can't do it or, you know, isn't producing as well as they want him to or think he can, um, I think he's the guy. Offensive line, obviously, I think it's that's another position of not necessarily concern, but an area of intrigue for sure. If you're, you know, looking at the South Carolina team, a lot of new faces. Last year, you graduated a lot of guys that, you know, 
were able to step up when they were young and, and not really leave the position. Um, so I, I think the offensive line, obviously, you got Gargiulo, very, I guess, uh, deep in terms of um, different guys that you could see in there. Obviously, there's a couple oars at the tackle spot mm-hmm. that's worth looking at. Um, Sydney Fuger, Jackson Hughes, Casey Henry, Tyshawn Wanamaker, the two you know names that are or the four guys that are competing for these tackle spots. Um, obviously something to watch. I, I don't think we should be surprised in Gargiulo um, starting over Marky Anderson, um, you know, I, I, and or nor with um, Ja'Kai Moore starting over Trey Jones or Vershawn Lee over Grayson Maines. So um, I, the tackle spots I'm looking at. But other than that, I think, you know, running back wise, they're unproven. And the rest of the offensive line, just unproven. Um, DK has uh, the crazy <laughs> thing about DK Joiner, Mike, is like he's proved himself on pretty much every area of the field, mm-hmm. but running back, and people are still counting him out. Um, you know, so I, I think that's going to be a really interesting storyline to see is like how much is DK Joiner just going to out athlete everyone at running back and just show that you know he's a really good athlete and how much that's going to play into him playing the position and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, obviously, the, the two big ones to me are running back and offensive line. and they're pretty. They're obviously being talked about by everybody, not just myself. It's just kind of areas to to watch for South Carolina. I think the ones you said, no question about it. I think the obvious one would be what's this offense look like, right? And shout out to Colin Taylor, Taylor trying to crack uh, at least uh, the best he could. Yeah. asking these guys over and over and over for the last couple of weeks, but especially today, trying to find out what does this offense look like? I'll talk to you in a little bit about what I think this offense will look like. But I think with that being put to the side, because again, I think that goes without saying, I think just big picture for me, something that's intriguing is how do these younger players step up? This is such a young team. This is such a young team. It gets overlooked so much because when you have your starting quarterback come back and a guy that obviously has a lot of experience in Spencer Rattler, who I want to talk a lot about tonight, you also have Juice Wells coming back. You have experience. You have star power. But you also have a lot of young, unproven players on this team. And when I say unproven, and I'll, I'll use Stone Blanton, for example. You just haven't seen enough tape. You haven't seen enough tape to know truly what you're going to get. And a guy like Blanton, who, as you see on the two deep, from a linebacker standpoint, at least on paper, he's expected to start. He's expected to start. Now, I do think South Carolina, we've talked about from a linebacker standpoint, and Colin Taylor has mentioned this. He's been on the beat. For just as long, if not maybe an extra year as long uh, since I've been here. I've been covering the Gamecocks since 2016. There were some talented linebacking cores that I covered during the Will Muschamp era. This one is right up there. This one is certainly right up there. The, The difference, though, is just you don't know yet what you're going to get from Blanton from a consistency standpoint. You don't know what you're going to get from Pup Howard, even though he's built like a freaking senior in the SEC for crying out loud, even though he's been on campus and practices with this team dating back to last year's Gator Bowl. I say all that not to be a wet blanket in the room, but to point out just how 
realistic this season could go one or two ways. I mean, this could be a very, very good season, and I would not be shocked. I haven't put my record out there yet as far as what I expect South Carolina to, to finish this season, in the regular season at least. But if you told me that USC went, you know, eight wins, nine wins, even maybe ten wins, I think ten wins might be a little far-fetched right now. But if you told me that, I wouldn't be shocked. But I could also believe you if you said, okay, they're going to have seven wins, six wins. They might not even be ball eligible. And the reason why I say that is just because the schedule is as difficult as it is on top of the fact that you do have a lot of young players. And until we know what you're going to get out of them on a week-to-week basis, I think that is why there is a lot of skepticism from a national standpoint about this team on top of the fact of what we've talked about for months, Joe, which is you have this stigma when you're South Carolina that anytime you take a step forward, you take two steps back. And some of that has nothing to do with Beamer. Some of that has nothing to do with the players that are on this roster, just from a historical standpoint. So I say that not to be someone that feels like, okay, South Carolina is going to come out and have only six wins or whatever. No, I really do believe that they can make a push. And again, I haven't put my record out there quite yet, but seven, eight, nine wins because they do have the talent. So what we see week one I mean, shoot, you go back to last year, DQ Smith, especially in special teams, Nick Eamon Worry. We saw young players, especially those true freshmen, step up. How does the young talent to you make you feel? Because that is the big thing heading into this game. I mean, it's it's got to make you feel good. Shane was talking about it today. Obviously, I think playing or having so many freshmen on the two deep, he mentioned it. it's not necessarily concerning, but – does worry you a little bit um, that just because those guys are unproven and they're, I mean, freshmen for God's sake. So um, obviously to a fan, it should excite you that the guys that Shane is recruiting are good enough to make an impact of this early on. Um, I think, you know, seeing a guy like Pop Howard, I mean, true freshman and, and Nick Eamon worry the same, be good enough to to play as well as they have. Or I mean, Nick Eamon worry plays well as he did last year. And then, I mean, Pop Howard, putting himself in a very good position to do the same. So I think it's really, really, really interesting to see this many freshmen on the two deep. Um, not looking into it too much, obviously, but um, I think it's good for the program too, um, especially guys coming in. Recruiting-wise, it's a good sell. Um, it's easy to say, hey, look, this is the opportunity that you can have here. If you, know, if you come in, you put in the work, you're going to have an opportunity to play. Uh, and obviously that depends on certain positions and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's a good thing having this many freshmen on the 2D means they're going to play. Shane's, you know, made that pretty, pretty, uh, you know, vocal today. He's like everyone on the 2D will play. And then, you know, obviously some guys that aren't on it necessarily too. Um, but, no, I, I, think, I think it's a good thing, Mike. And then obviously go, or getting into, I guess, kind of the record talk and, and all that. I mean, you can go as high as nine wins if you want in terms of a ceiling, but I haven't put my, my record prediction out there, but I think, you know, I think this is the last time you guys will see me since in, until Saturday. So, um, what you I, got, I, intern Joe, what yeah, you got? I'll, I'll throw it out here now. Um, I mean, I, I think realistically I see South Carolina going seven and five. All right. Eight, I'm writing, eight. I'm writing it down on our, our Bojangle I, notepad I, I, right here. All right. Intern well, then, Joe's pick. Seven and five or eight and four. I think it's between those two. Oh, come on. 
You got to pick one. All right, then I'll go eight and four. Um, yeah, I think eight and four is – it's on the higher side for me, but I think it's not out of the question. Okay. And, I mean, to be to be completely honest with you, Mike, I could see this team winning nine games. I could see this team winning four games. I mean, it's that, that high of a ceiling and that low of a floor for this team. Now do All I right. think they'll, they'll have four wins? We got – no. We got intern Joe down on, on paper I'm here. down so – I mean, obviously, like with the new show and that that stuff coming out, I'm on the record now for for eight and four. You are. You're on the record. I'm I'm putting it up on, on my my blackboard right here behind my computer screen. So you guys but, feel free. Comment so let's just no, well, let's just go off from that though. Let's just go yeah. off from that, okay? Because yes, across college football, and I would be intrigued to see how many freshmen are actually playing now in comparison to years past. Uh-huh. You know, with the transfer portal, I mean, obviously, 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 this isn't the friggin' seventies and all that. With you know, freshmen not being able to play, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And, but what I'm trying to get at is, with this South Carolina team, because of what Beamer has been able to do in such a short period of time of flipping this roster around, he's been able to bring in talented pieces. And when I've talked about the future of this program. And when I say I feel like the South Carolina team is still two years away from really starting to take things to that next level, that's why I say that. Because when you look at that young talent, now obviously there's many factors when we're talking about college football these days as far as retention and you got the transfer report, all that kind of stuff, right? And recruiting plays a role too. As South Carolina, I believe they're what, 19th, 18th right now? in the national rankings for the recruiting class of 2024, um, which, oh, by the way, that doesn't go anywhere, right? I mean, we still we still have that. Um, I, I think with this USC team, we talk about just being so young, is that if they can come into their own, if they can come into their own quickly, not only should that excite you about this season, but it should excite you about the future. Just yeah. because they're getting so many in-game experience reps, you know. Let's yeah. continue to pick on Blanton for a second. Hunter, by the way, it's it's only because it's cut off on on the screen share. They're up there. Here we yeah, go. Is. This is the top. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Good. Good call, intern Joe. So yeah. the thing about it though is Blanton last year, he began to see more reps because of some of the injuries at linebacker. And now as we look into this season, and even going back into the spring, because of injuries, Blanton had an opportunity to work with the ones in spring practices. So when you talk about things in the past and things that stink, and I'm not saying that you should be you know, praying that, okay, all these young guys get in there, and obviously you want to be able to have some type of experience out there, but at times this season, if, you know, crap does hit the fan, take a step back, take a step back and realize, and I think a majority of the fans already understand that, but that's why I say that's the most intriguing part about it is you have so many young guys out here. And the fact that you could have a situation where shoot, you could have three, three, four freshmen out there at the same time, whether you're talking about offense or defense, it's scary, but it also is exciting knowing that this is a core group that could be growing with each other, whether it be freshmen, whether it be sophomores, um, regardless, just young, young team. So that's that's the biggest takeaway for me. This North Carolina game as a whole, Joe, you were at the press conference today. 
I was indeed, yes. What was your biggest takeaway, either from Beam or from some of the players? Um, I mean, minus me leaving my laptop charger at at uh at the Long Family Ops. Off to a hell of a start, week one. Know, you got a long great. season. It's not even long September, season. and you're already was, losing your charger. Brand new laptop charger that I bought yesterday because I lost the other one. Um, so we're we're off to a great start here off to the semester, but no, uh, I was, so I was at the pressers today. Um, heard a lot of good things out of everybody. I was really impressed with stone Blanton. Um, number one for him getting the start. Congrats to him. Um, really, really earned it. It sounds like, and I, I mean, stone just seems a lot more comfortable. Um, it just, just in general, I mean, it's, it's hard to say on the field cause we haven't seen him yet this year, but, um, I expect a lot out of Stone Blanton, especially since he is number one on the depth chart. Um, I think that's pretty good evidence to say that, you know, he's the guy now, a linebacker, him, Mokaba, they're, they're the dudes. Um, so I was really impressed with him. Um, Josh Simon as well. He's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Obviously, I saw him at media days, but um, Josh Simon is a big human. I think he's going to make a very big impact as well. The fact that he was one of the guys that we were talking to um, shows that he's going to play some kind of role offense um and I, I it's i'm assuming it's bigger than i thought at least i thought trey knox would be the one main go-to guy but i, I think simon's gonna play a, a pretty big role in this offense um and then obviously dk joiner's really special and spencer too um spencer seems locked in man really 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 comfortable yeah. and it's i mean it's, <laughs> it's different i mean i we saw kind of saw I guess a hint of this last year, right? Like you could tell he was comfortable just with all of the portal talk and where's he going to go. He was comfortable with all that, but like now he's comfortable with where he's at in life and just everything. And just, he's ready to go show people, you know, what he can do. Um, and, and so as you bring up some of his pressure, I was just, I was very impressed with what Spencer had to say. Not just before we hear, before we hear from Rattler, cause I want to play some of these players today. And I think everyone you hit on, I mean, stone Bland, the maturity that he showed today, I mean, here's yep. a young man that came in here. I mean, it's crazy because we obviously – and there's so many Gamecock fans, especially from Gamecock Central, yep. and but this fan base as a whole, they know exactly what's going on from a recruiting standpoint. So it's crazy to just see how yep. quickly these young men go from being, okay, he's a high school football player in Mississippi, and now as a sophomore, he's going to be your starting linebacker week one. Yep. But you mentioned – Simon, I mean, Josh Simon, I, I feel like he's going to be a player that Gamecock yeah. fans are going to love. Physical yeah, and just great hands. We saw that great Huge. catch earlier in preseason. He's, he's, he's a big a boy. But yeah. Rattler today, before I play some of Rattler's sound, his demeanor, and you're going to be able to pick up on if you haven't seen it, his Very demeanor easily. today was as locked in as I've ever seen him. That's number one. Yeah. But number two – what I took away from it is he's so ready just to play. He's done with the talking, and that doesn't mean that he was standoffish or you know, he was rude to the media or anything like that. But what I'm trying to get at is the answers were shorter than usual. It was kind of like, okay, I know I have to go do this. I'll go up there, say what I need to, but I'm just ready to get on the freaking field on Saturday. That was my biggest the biggest takeaway from today with Rattler, but let's take yeah. a listen. This is Spencer Rattler earlier today talking about North Carolina, getting ready for week one. 
Spencer, how do you guys, you know, approach this week? I know that you've probably been working on a lot of things throughout preseason camp. I mean, were there a major was there a major tweak in preparing for North Carolina this week or kind of the same old? Um, you know, we're just trying to perfect what, what we got working for us, you know, uh, make sure we don't beat ourselves. You know, they're going to try to do some things to slow us down, and, you know, we got to do our best to counter that. So uh, we've been practice everyth- practicing everything and just trying to perfect it before Saturday. What's going on, Spencer? For you personally, how do you feel like you have changed from this point last year to now? Uh, just more comfortable with this offense. You know, I feel like it suits me a lot better. Um, not just me, but the group as a whole. And, um, you know, i got a coach that's coached a long time in the NFL, coaching quarterbacks, and I feel real confident with him. Obviously, a lot of talk about the matchup with you and Drake, even though I guess it's not really truly a matchup. But what, what do you make of all that type of talk and, and certainly not the – first time you've been a part of like a big quarterback battle so yeah it'll be fun but you know at the end of the day my focus is to put my team in the best position to win for us and you know I'm sure he's trying to do the same thing but uh yeah you know I'm just trying to trying to play clean trying to trying to make a lot of plays and, and lead this team to a victory hey Spencer for you personally how much are you looking forward to getting back out there especially with the way you closed out last season in the final three games I'm looking forward to it you know I'm ready I'm ready to go you know I'm ready to go Spencer, do you ever um, get caught up in, in, you know, that it might be a shootout kind of game with we because North Carolina has such an explosive offense? Mm-hmm. You know, we just focus on what we got to do. And, you know, if it is like that, it is. Spencer, I know we've talked about it before in the past. I mean, maybe you didn't even envision being back here for a second year, but now you're here. What does it feel like heading into this game in comparison to when you were playing your first game at South Carolina a year ago? Uh, you know, like I said, just obviously a year under my belt in this conference, a lot more comfortable, um, you know, know what to expect and just excited to play North Carolina on Saturday on a, on a big time stage. Yeah, Spencer, kind of going off of that, you, you know, last year kind of had a tune up game, right? This year, not so much. I mean, UNC right out of the bat, uh, right out of the gate. Do you notice that there's maybe a little bit more excitement or attention to detail or edge about you guys knowing that, you know, you don't really have a tune-up game this year yeah I mean we try to say you know you want to have the same mindset for every game but you know we'd be lying to ourselves if we you know we said this game isn't bigger than what we had last year you know every game is big but this is on a big time stage against a great team and you know we got a challenge on Saturday and this game we'll we'll see where we're at so I'm excited to go out there and compete and, and have fun with the guys all right Spencer Rattler earlier today sorry to cut off Colin Taylor I would have played him if I knew Colin was there, don't always keep track of which media members asking what, but um, again, and I think one of our listeners just even said it. I think it was Hunter. You can tell how locked it he is on Saturday. Yep. Now, obviously, the players, and just to remind some people, because each year you got to remind people. Oh, Colin's hurt. Colin's listening. You know what? Colin's listening. That was an accident, Colin. Let's let's have Colin's question. That was not done on purpose. I promise, Colin. Colin asks good questions. Spencer, you mentioned questions. kind of being a better fit for you and the rest of the skill group. Just, I know, not revealing state secrets, but what what about this offense helps kind of tailor it to your skill set and, and how excited are you guys to finally kind of debut it this weekend? You know, I'm excited to debut it this Saturday. You know, that's a good question for D-Lo, though, or Coach Beamer. And again, I give Colin Taylor a lot of credit. He was trying to crack the code today. He, he was, was trying, trying to crack the code. How much success? I don't know. He, he, he used a 
I think the Kevin meme from the office, like I kept the secret so well that we, oh, Colin, the, the use of the gif and the meme and, and the reference was perfect there because I mean, they weren't, they weren't saying anything. This offense is under super top secret. So um, yeah, no, no one's giving us anything, Mike. It's not fun. So Joe, I want to show something real quick as far as Spencer last year statistics. Okay. And I'm glad I'm glad Shane Beamer, and it's like not, not a shocker that a coach is going to defend his quarterback, but to see him say, like, yeah, like I'm glad he's our quarterback. I think Colin Taylor actually just wrote a story about that today. So another shout out to CT. But the fact that we're hearing so much about Drake May, Drake May is a hell of a quarterback. I know some Gamecock fans are sick and tired of hearing that, but he's a hell of a quarterback. Okay. He's a hell of a quarterback. But at the same time, too, I feel like Spencer Rattler isn't getting at least as enough recognition heading into this game. All right? I was asked this question today about Caleb Williams on a different show, and someone asked me, do you feel like Rattler is seeing what Caleb Williams is doing and it's adding motivation? I'm sure just as a natural competitor, it is. But honestly, if last year proved anything, it's that Spencer Rattler, he's not a bum. Like this notion that he's a bum. Guess what? The guy that took his job at Oklahoma, what did he freaking do last year? He won the Heisman Trophy. He won the Heisman freaking Trophy. You know what that proves? It proves that every scout that pays attention to high school football that was following Caleb Williams, that was telling you that he was that next guy, the one that comes once every blue moon, right? He did exactly what people who follow high school football does, which is he was going to be good. So again, I bring that up just because maybe last year, maybe there was this notion that Rattler had to prove people wrong. And I'm sure he had a chip on his shoulder. I'm sure of it. But I feel like because Caleb won the Heisman, and I'm not saying this is the main reason. I'm just saying it it helps. The fact that Caleb won the Heisman, I think it takes more pressure off Rattler. Because not only is he coming back here for year two, and he can just pray pray freely. And we're talking about obviously multiple things like, you know, Dow Loggins giving him more leash on the offense and being able just to play free. I, I think being able to have Williams win the Heisman, it's like, yeah, that quarterback that replaced him, it's a freaking good quarterback. Now just go out there and play. You're at new school. So that's the reason I want to bring that up. Yeah, certainly. And I, I agree. I think it's, it, it takes a pressure off Spencer to an extent. I mean, I think, Last year, that, that storyline was certainly in there and intertwined. It's like, oh, he's going to have the better year at the new school and rah, rah, rah. Like, right. But I think Caleb Williams has gone and done, you know, what he's gone and done and, and winning the Heisman. And Spencer's been able to help South Carolina turn things around. And I mean, each quarterback had their respective journeys. And, but I, I think this year, this, I mean, the storyline of, you know, who's better, or who's, who's having a better season or who's going to, you know, play better. I think that's all kind of washed out the window. I think both guys are starting to carve out, um, you know, a name for themselves respectively at, at their own schools. Obviously, Caleb Williams won the 
freaking Heisman. But um, Spencer <laughs> still has some work to do for his name and his legacy here. Obviously, I mean, the Clemson win and, and the Tennessee win are huge, but to come mm-hmm. back, I think it says a lot. It says a lot about him and what he wants to leave here. And then also do what he wants to do with his career later on. So um, I, I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for Spencer to play, like Mike said, with the pressure off for once. And it, it's weird to say, because again, it's Spencer Rattler we're talking about. There'll be some pressure. pressure There'll be some entire, pressure, yeah. There'll yeah, be some sure. pressure, but it feels like the pressure from a year ago. It's a lot of it. You yeah, can't even compare it. Pressure. You not, can't no, even compare it. Much. No. No, that's why I, mean, I fe- that's why I say like you know the pressure's not on him. It feels like again he can go out there and play more freely. And you know I'm pulling up the stats from last year and the way that ESPN does it, it has the more recent game on the top. So that's why you see Notre Dame. So go from the top down. And when you look really going back to September, yeah. those first three games of the season, right? Georgia State, Arkansas, Georgia, and that's not an easy slate, right? Game second game of your career, you got to go to Arkansas. You got to play at your first SEC stadium, and then the following week, you got to go play the defending national champs, who eventually became the back-to-back defending national champs in Georgia. When you look at the SEC state game, I felt like Rattler had a pretty good game. The interceptions in that game, if I remember correctly. They came on drop passes that easily couldn't have, you know, could have been completions. So you look at from just a statistical standpoint, I felt like that SC State game is when things started to change a little bit. Now, there's no question that the offense struggled at times. You look at the Missouri game. um, If it wasn't for Xavier Leggett having the kickoff return for 100 yards against Texas A&M, I don't know if the Gamecocks win that one. And then Florida, of course. But I bring that up because for Rattler, you saw why people were so high on him coming out of high school. You saw why he was the Big Ten freshman of the year when he finally got his opportunity before um, being replaced by Caleb Williams. So I bring that up because we know how the season ended. We know how the season ended. The big question, and none of us are going to friggin' know until Saturday, is what are the growing pains with this offense? I know Rattler said a couple weeks ago that he hasn't experienced any growing pains. I think that's confidence in him saying that because naturally there will be some type of growing pains with this offense. I mean, that's just Clemson's going through an OC change. There's going to be growing pains. That's what happens when you have a new OC. And the fact that you have a power five matchup week one, you don't have the luxury of being able to ease in and be able to work off some of those kinks. You have to do it on the fly when the, when the bullets are coming at your hut. So for Rattler, I don't think it's necessarily what is he going to look like. It's more so what is the rest of the offense around him? And Joe, as you brought up at the beginning of the show, The offensive line, that question mark, is where it really starts. And and even though I've kind of brushed it off, the running back situation, if they're not able to at least get some type of consistency, again, you need the O-line to give you a push. But if you're not able to at least get some type of consistency from your running back room, positive yardage, it's just like a pitcher who's only throwing fastballs, right? 
If yep. you can't have your breaking ball going, if you can't throw a changeup and it's not hitting, if you can't run the football, it's the same deal. Because you'll be a one-trick pony. Pass, pass, pass. Defensive line, they are going to tee off on you. And oh, yeah. as much as this fan base wants to write off North Carolina's defense because of what happened last year, which what I would say to that is, what about your defense? What about your defense? You allowed 198 yards rushing per game last year. That was the 14th worst in the country. On top yep. of that, you lost Zach Pickens. So I bring that up because if you're going to say that about North Carolina's defense stinking, I get it. They stunk. But you have issues too. You have flaws as well. South Carolina, if they can't get a push against this North Carolina team, week one from a running standpoint, it could be a long season. But it also will struggle the offense as a whole when you're talking about trying to get the passing game going. So it it all goes hand in hand, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I'm going to stop you there real quick so we can get the ads. Um, Let me talk to you guys about our good friends over at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, Mm. accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs this tax season. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond at the Movement Mortgage Network. He has been a longtime, longtime supporter of Gamecock Central as well as these GC Live shows. We've talked about it before. Our very own Wes Mitchell, former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, when it was time to get a new home, they needed to go through that process. Clint made it easier for them. You talk about trying to find the cheapest rate, and if you've been trying to find a home the last couple of months, shoot, really the last year, you know how difficult that has been. Those rates are going up. Clint and his team do an outstanding job of being able to help you out. So give Clint a call. Again, over at the Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. Moving things along here. We have Lady Bree bringing up a question about, or more so a statement, and then a question, talking about to carry on joining. Lady Bree, good to hear from you. So, so, Mike, I stated last year I thought DK would be a great running back. I've heard media members saying he's looking great, and the team saying it. Someone suggested, y'all, just blowing smoke. I'll say this. For what we've seen, from what we've seen in the limited practices, so I believe the media had four practices that we could attend. And of those four practices, I mean, shoot, you're looking at about 20-something periods, maybe 22 periods that we were able to watch. And I'd be lying to you if I said that we see a lot during those periods. It's typically, you know, special team stuff where it doesn't involve any of the trickeration or just um, indie periods. And an indie period is just an individual period where you're working with your individual positional coach. So we don't get to see too much, 
But from what we did see, there was that explosiveness from DK. He has this knack of just being able to, when he gets the ball, he's not dancing around. You know, I mean, there's so many running backs when they are younger. You see it more so in high school. But when they get the ball, they're dancing around. They're not hitting the, the hole hard. And naturally, because they're dancing around, they're wasting more time. Instead of going north-south, they're going east-west. With DK, because of his experience of being a quarterback and being someone that has had an opportunity to do all the Wildcat packages as well in South Carolina's backfield over the years, even though it's not true apples to apples, he has an idea of what that looks like behind the line of scrimmage. So I feel like that's played a big role as to why he has had the success that he's had. Now, here's the issue. When we talk about DeCarion Joyner having a good preseason camp, looking good in the scrimmages from what we've been told from people around the program, that doesn't mean, and I think some people realize this, but I need to just put this out there. That doesn't mean he's looking like Marcus Lattimore. That doesn't mean he's looking like George Rogers. All that means is that he's going out there and he's giving you a chance. And I think with this South Carolina running back room, realistically, the expectation should be just having a running back room that can give you a chance. Just being consistent, picking up the yardage that you need. Right. I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, being able to run the football close to 200 yards every game, that would be a dream. And if you look over the last couple of years, especially in the Beamer era, when South Carolina has been able to run the football for about 175 yards, 200 yards, they win a majority of those games. And I'm sure if you look across college football outside of the armies and navies, the air forces of the world that run the football about 40, 50 times a game. The teams that do have success running it about, you know, 175 yards, 200 yards a game, they're going to usually have a winning record, right? More times than not, those games are going to be games that they won. So with the South Carolina team, do I feel like that's what they need to do in order to have success from a running game standpoint? Not necessarily. And I think the real reason why is because you have a really talented quarterback. Now, obviously, again, like we've talked about, it's not just about Rattler. The O-line needs to come into its own. The receivers, if you think back to a couple years ago, I think back to Shy Smith's senior year. Outside of Shy, no one wanted to get open that season. So you have talent at receiver. You have talent at tight end. The guys need to get open, right? Guys need to get open. Give your quarterback an opportunity to just go out there and play. And with this running back room, if they can just get the consistent the consistent push from their offensive line, and they're able just to get those yards, just a couple. You don't have to go too crazy, right? Third and two. You go to DK, you go to Mario Anderson, you go to whoever the heck is in the backfield. Just picking up those yardage. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the South Carolina team needs from their running back room. Now, is that sustainable? When we're talking about the future of the program, we're looking ahead to 2024, 2025. No. Because what happens after this year? Well, Spencer Rattler will be gone, right? Things change a little bit. So I think with this season, it's about being just good enough in that running back room. You know, I understand there's frustration from some of the fan base as far as, man, South Carolina shouldn't have put themselves in this situation when you're talking about the running back room. Mm -hmm. What I would say to that, though, is could anyone have predicted that Lavoisier Carroll would have to retire? A no. couple months back, 
And I'm not saying saying that USC was throwing all their eggs in one basket there, but at the same time too, it changed the entire mindset of how people portrayed this running back room. I'm sure there'd still be people that would be upset, Joe, heading into this season or worry, whatever word you want to use. But if Lavoisier Carroll didn't have to retire from football, I'm sure the mood from this fan base as far as their expectations about the running back room would be just a little bit different, a little bit different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, unfortunately, for Lavoisier Carroll, he had the injury that's holding him out and and all that stuff, forcing him to retire from football. It sucks, and Lavoisier is a great human, a great person. So, uh, I mean, it especially sucks to see him go down like that. Um, But, no, I mean, I I think if you were there, he was probably your guy, right, that you would expect to come through camp and show signs of life and and build and and just kind of work towards that starting spot this summer. Obviously, he's not in the room, so there's a little bit more concern. But I don't think – I think there's just the concern that DK hasn't played running back before. I don't necessarily think anyone's doubting mm-hmm. DK's athletic ability or his that's ability fair. to you know, find the football. Totally yeah. fair. And it, it's absolutely fair to worry about it because, I mean, it is a whole different position. We saw – I mean, speaking on Lavasier Carroll, like it took him a whole season to kind of get back, I mean, Georgia, Georgia, he was playing safety. So it took him a whole season to readjust and granted you're switching sides of the football. It's, it's a little bit different. You can, you know, switch from wide receiver to running back a little bit easier, but I mean, it's, it's still, you know, kind of the same process and it's, it's, it's a different position entirely or, you know, not entirely, but you know, you guys get what I'm saying. So I, I think for DK, since he's played offense, there's a little bit of ease there and the fact that he's done it, well um a little bit more he's there and uh i mean all the reports coming out are that you know he's the guy and he can run the football i mean we've seen the transformation in his body so i think the only thing we're missing mike is just tape of him playing running back and him you know performing um i think that's the only thing and if he goes out and plays well against north carolina i think there's going to be a lot of ease just for the rest of the season because if he goes out and does anything remotely close to good like just puts together a solid game and is the running back like plays like the, the guy at running back. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot more ease going into the season and it'll probably be a lot of ease for Dowell too, knowing that Mm -hmm. he has a guy that he can rely on out of the backfield. Um, Just kind of giving you that consistency out of the backfield is what you need, especially in the SEC. Um, If you don't have a consistent ground attack, you're going to lose a lot of games. I pulled up. I'm looking at it right now, but you guys can see it on your screen what DK has done during his career at South Carolina. It is weird sometimes when you look at some of these stat lines for players just because of that COVID year, because of that COVID year uh, to see one, two, three, four, five seasons up there. But um, that's just where we are in college football. That and and being able to maintain a year of eligibility if you play four games. Uh, we see the question, it says, uh, or statement, I will be curious to see, if you want to go back, be curious yeah. to see how many running plays we have Saturday. I think if Gargiulo and crew can get things going, they will roll. I'll say yeah. this, as this much as I as much as much I do feel like this team will be a pass-first team, but just because you have a very talented quarterback, no coach in the country, no coach in the country would tell you that they'd rather throw the football, you know, whatever, how many times opposed to if they were able to run the football. Why? I mean, this goes back to 
I think Woody Hayes said it back in the day, the old Ohio State coach, when you throw the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad. You know, so the point being is as good I feel like as Rattler can be this season, this passing attack, if USC is able to have success running on Saturday, I expect them to continue to go to that. Now, going back to last season, I believe there were two games in which they ran the football 40 plus times. And in both those games, they won. I believe it was the Kentucky game, and I'd have to go back to double-check the other one. Maybe it was Charlotte. I'll have to go back and double-check. But the point being is I I feel like you're going to see a team that comes out there, and they're really going to mix things up. I mean, I think that's the beauty, right? I mean, we we could sit here and talk about for both teams, but for South Carolina in particular, and Joe, we talked about it last week a little bit. If you're North Carolina, you want to talk about having to prepare for the unknowns. You have to go back and you have to watch some of the offenses that Dal Loggins was yeah. seeing in the NFL. On top of that, DK, well, what Carolina's he did doing to the you. Same thing for North Carolina's OC, but I agree. I think it adds to the element of surprise a little bit. And then, yeah, I, I was laughing because the DK element. You have no. I mean, you've seen, you've been in this situation before with a player like DK. You know his capabilities at every other position, but the one he's playing at. Oh, and this team um, knows it better than anybody. And if they're not yeah. prepared for – and that's the other thing too. And you can well, do I, this. I don't necessarily think they're prepared for what he can do at running back. I think – and they're going to try their best. But they have, what I'm saying is they haven't – nobody's seen DK at running back, so you can't prepare for him. I mean, I guess you can you kind of prepare based off of what he's like at wide receiver, but I think he's reinvented himself so much that it's an entirely different look mm-hmm. with him at running back. You can't truly prepare for it. But yeah. what, I, what I'll say is that – if that Duke's Mayo Bowl game taught North Carolina anything, and it's tough, even like yeah. even like DK yeah, said today, and on the show last night we had DK come out with Heather uh, Hines, goalkeeper for South Carolina women's soccer. But DK and I were talking about it a lot. It's like he told me that he thinks about that Duke's Mayo Bowl game probably every other day, and as he addressed today to the media, it's like it's the elephant in the room it's hard not to think about it. It's hard not to talk about it, especially when you know this guy's going to be a starter. He's beloved by this fan base. But on top of that, this is the first time that this team, South Carolina, has played in that stadium since the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. And what happened in that Dukes-Mayo Bowl? Well, they played against North Carolina. So there's so many similarities. And at the same time, too, we know this. None of that really matters, right? None of that matters when you go onto the field. However, where it does matter is in the preparation. Because North Carolina, like you said, they don't know what Joyner's going to do at running back. They don't know what he's going to look like. But at the same time, too, you have to prepare. And I'm pulling up his stats right here. And another stat to throw out there, and I told Joyner this last night. DK wasn't even aware of this. He's on the verge of becoming the fifth player to join the 600 club in FBS history. Savell Newton is already part of that club. And what that means is 600 career receiving yards, 600 career rushing yards, 600 career passing yards. Now, I think the passing yards one, depending on what they plan on doing with DK this year, it could be a little bit trickier. He still had 100-something passing yards last year, I believe. You scroll on down. Yeah, you see, and a lot of that came from that that Vanderbilt game on the, uh, on the mm-hmm. trick play. But the point being is, 
DK has proven, never mind the fact that we haven't even talked about special teams, he can yeah, do a little yeah. bit of everything. So that's just DK. But on top of that, you got to prepare for Spencer Rowler. You have to prepare for uh, Juice Wells. And you don't even know what Juice is going to look like because there's been all these reports out there, and that's what they do. They have the graduate students. They pay attention to what's being said on the message boards. You know, what is a uh, cocky, cocky, cocky Gamecock, whatever, three, two, four, six. What is he saying on the message boards? What is being said? They try to get information. What's being said on social media? So we don't know exactly what it will look like when Juice Wells is out there on the field. We know, or at least got to give Beamer uh, at least the benefit of the doubt when he says that Wells will play on top of the fact that yeah. Nick Harbour will play. But what will it look like? You know, someone could play, but if they go out there, they might only play a couple of plays. So th there's so many weapons that South Carolina has on top of the fact that they have the new OC that I truly believe from an offensive standpoint for North Carolina, they're going to have to spend a lot of time on their defense. They're going to spend a lot of time on special teams, and that's going to take no. time away from preparing for their offense for North Carolina. I mean, for South Carolina's defense. So there's a lot of benefits heading into this game. And we could say this about North Carolina too, but the difference is if you're South Carolina, you know how they want to beat you. They have one yep. of the best quarterbacks, at least on paper heading into the season. And they also have a freaking good running back too, which should not be overlooked. Yeah. My, I, I mean, you gotta be crazy to think that Pete Lumbo doesn't have a play for to carry on joiner in there somewhere. Uh I think Pete, of all people, would be the one guy that's got to get his slice of, of the DK freakishly athletic, <laughs> unreal offensive weapon pie. Uh, so, yeah, he'll definitely be playing some special teams um, along with his big role on offense. I think you're going to see a lot of DeCarry Androne. I think last year, I mean, with him at wide receiver, it was hard to get him the ball a lot, especially with the the resurgence of juice, save really get. It was a crowded room. In, in I mean, this year it's even more crowded, but – Getting him at running back, I think you're going to hear his name called a lot more than you did last year and years previous just because he's going to be that guy that's going to be relied on to go get those tough yardage up the middle. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be relying on Juju too much to go to go up the middle, and maybe I could be wrong, could use Juju in some short yardage situations. But, I mean, I, I see DK just being in a lot of the packages because of his size, his speed, his durability, just the way he holds the football, runs with the football. I think it's going to be really fun to see just how much of an impact he will have on this offense because the way everyone's talking about it now, it's it's going to be a very, very big impact. Compared, and, I mean, last year the, the whole conversation was he's a great leader off the field. He's great for us, and it's just it sucks we can't get him the ball. I think this year it's the exact opposite. I mean, obviously he's a great leader off the field, but, I mean, the talk is more about his play on the field than, than it is, you know, off the field. And, oh, he's a great person and all this stuff. Awesome. But all I'm hearing, Mike, is just – how, how well he's adapted and how important mm -hmm. he's going to be to this offense and football team. So it, it's different from last year, for sure. Before we answer some questions, because there's been a bunch that have been coming in, if you haven't asked a question yet and you want your question in before yep, we wrap yep. things up tonight, now is the time. Shoot your question in. I already – I have my vision of what this offense is going to look like, Joe. Yeah. But to you, what do you envision on Saturday? Um. What do I envision on Saturday of what this offensive will look like? 
I think we're going to see a lot of run and shoot. I think it's going to be, you know, run the ball on first or second down. And then you mix in like to start the game. I think it's, it's going to be very like pro style, run the, run the ball for a second down, try to get what you can. And then, you know, let Spencer throw it a little bit, but I think you're going to want, they're going to warm Spencer up, you know, kind of try to get him in rhythm, use the backfield, use a Nick Harbor to try and get a big player too. Um, early on in the game, I think you're going to see a lot, of like chances at big plays they're not gonna not everyone's gonna hit but i think these two offenses are gonna duel um back and forth big play after big play it's gonna be sloppy obviously because it's the first game you're not gonna go out there and see a tennessee like performance where everything was clicking on all cylinders it's gonna be sloppy you're playing somebody else I'm gonna for the clip first time. this if it happens though i'm gonna clip this and we're gonna use that later if uh yeah if yeah, yeah. And put up 63 yeah for real um but i mean i think with the running back room the whole thing of like, we don't know who we're going to play. I think they're going to use the running back just as much as they would. It's just the, the whole question mark and the worry and concern of this year was just about who it was going to be. And I think they found that guy in DK to the point where they're like, all right, cool. We're, we're going to run our offense now. Um, it wasn't like they had to switch anything up or any of that. Like, I think the philosophy that Dowell brought here with the idea that Lavoisier Carroll or somebody in the portal or somebody is going to be their running back. I think that philosophy is still intact. I think they trust DK at running back in this offense. So I, I don't really think they're making any changes per se for just the running back position in general. Now, maybe they're not going to be running the ball as much because of the offensive line or something like that. But uh, I think it's going to be pretty business as usual. Run and shoot, get Spencer in a rhythm, warm him up, and you know try to execute as much as you can with limiting the sloppiness of, of week one. So that's what I think is going to happen. My, I mean, pretty pretty simple, pretty basic answer, but that's what I got. Yeah, for me, I think with this offense, what you're going to see is you're going to see an offense that wants to go fast, very fast at that. A uh, fast-paced offense that wants to use tempo, wants to use wants to use the ability of the speed that they have with their players around on the field. I'm trying to do like eight things at once here. Um as you see the from some of the practice footage. But they want to use the speed that they have. And it's when you're talking about the explosive plays, it's being able to take chances down the field vertically, but at the same time, too, using the live. entire field from sideline to sideline. And that's why I feel like guys like uh, Miriam Brown, Eddie Lewis, right, even a Nicholas Harbor, I feel like USC is really going to take advantage of their speed by being able to stretch the field horizontally from sideline to sideline, east to west. And when you do that, when you do that, it forces teams to cover the field. I mean, it forces teams to spread out, and that opens up the running game. Now, the reason why I wanted to specifically mention that part, how many times (laughs) – I already know the answer. How many times, Joe, after games last year, especially when we had Michael Skarnecchia on, Scar said, I would love to see them throw the ball towards the middle of the field. A lot. How many times? A lot. I felt like every week, and I'm excited to get Scar. We'll get to that in a second. But They need um, to, they need to yeah. use the entire field, okay? This isn't arena football. You're not just going to freaking go down the field and just air it out, you know, 30, 40 yards every no, – no. You have to be able to mix other things in there. And no, if you're – an offense kind of is trying question. to figure out what you're going to do from a running game standpoint. 
being able to take advantage of throwing crossing patterns is really going to allow you to not only have success down the field at some point, because then you can take some chances, keep defenses honest, but it's also going to open up the run game because defenses are going to have to prepare for you to come out there and attack them sideline to sideline. It will be able to soften up the middle a little bit to hopefully get that run game going. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I, what I was going to pose the question to you, Mike, was I, I've heard, you know, the doubters of Dowell Loggins will say, oh, yeah, he doesn't know how to, you know, spread the field because he's been playing on NFL hash marks. He's <laughs> talked about it certainly being an adjustment. Mike, do you think it's going to be any of an adjustment for – for Dowell at all. And I mean, do you have any thoughts on just kind of what he's going to do in game one coaching from the box? Does that make a difference? Like run me through what you expect to see from Dowell. And do you think the hash marks really make a difference? And I, I don't think it's going to be to the point where to the naked eye, to most fans, they're going to be able to watch and be like, man, they need to do, he needs to do this, this, and that a little bit differently. I think if there's anything, whether they have success or whether there's times where they run into a brick wall that Dal himself is going to go back and be like, okay, week two or just moving forward. And I'm sure this is a process for the first couple of weeks. It's going to take him some time to adjust. He's going to go back and be like, all right, we did it this way. We had success or, you know what? We tried to go out there. We didn't have success because of this. This is what we need to do in order to tweak it, to make it work in the NFL game. We might be able to get away with this right? Because of the way the hash marks are. So I think it'll be one of those things that you have trial and error, but even if they have success or they don't have success, he's going to be watching and he's going to be taking, I mean, that's what coaches do, but that's what I'm expecting is that he'll go back to the drawing board, even if they do have success in some of these plays and he's going to make adjustments to it. He's going to say, okay, man, we didn't have the spacing that I was hoping for on the field side during this trips look, or, you know, we ran this smash route concept. We didn't have the play look the way that I envisioned it looking. So it's like anything in life. It's going to be trial and error. And I truly believe this offense will get better as the season goes on. But I also think that based on what we've heard with, we've heard from, from loggings is that he is, he has the self-awareness to understand what his players want to do. He understands what their strengths and weaknesses are. And again, this is the honeymoon phase. We'll be talking about things a week from now, and it could be different, but at least heading into this first game, based on everything that he's said, based on everything the players have told us, and based on everything our sources at Gamecock Central have told us, is that, Dow Loggins understands what the player's strengths and weaknesses are, and he has been doing his darnest to make dang sure that they're going to be in the best position to succeed. It's not going to be, hey, we haven't done this play yet. Let's do that. Let's force this, because we've seen that before in the past from South Carolina. I don't expect that to be the case. I really don't. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think your Dowell um, synopsis is pretty pretty spot on it. I don't think – I think they're obviously offensively going to leave the game wishing they could do more, and I think that's just how you, every week is offensively. There's always stuff you want to execute on more. I think the only example of that not being the case is probably the Tennessee game last year. And that, you, I mean, we know how often those happen where you're clicking on every cylinder. I mean, Satterfield walked out of that game saying, like, I 
I don't know if we could have done anything wrong at, at, during that game. So I, I think, you know, it's going to be an adjustment for Dallas, certainly um, calling plays in the college game, but he's going to figure it out. Um, I think, you know, business will move right along and you'll adjust week to week, like Mike said. So um, kind of get into some of these questions here. We'll get through these and then we'll, we'll bump our promos for everything this week. A lot of fun stuff on the way. Nick asked, Sellers will be red-shirted most likely, you think, this year, question mark. Um, from my eyes, I think they're going to try to do everything they can to red-shirt him. Obviously, play him as much as you possibly can without, you know, losing the red shirt. But I think that's the goal, at least. Let him come in maybe in some garbage time games and show some flashes of what he could be and shut him down when, when it comes close to that red shirt. I think, um, you know, he's not – I mean, knock on wood here, not going to play a very big role. You have Luke Doty, obviously, um, Tanner Bailey, you know, those guys backing up Spencer. Um, so, I think if it comes down to it, yeah, they're, they're going to red shirt him. I, I, think, I think they're going to try to do what they can to be able to get him on the field and see what he can bring to the table as far as a short yardage situation. You know, we're talking so much about the unknowns with South Carolina's offensive line, especially the running back room as well. If you've seen the Swamp Kings documentary that came out the other day, right? How many times did you see Tim Tebow come out there on the field? And it's difficult to compare Tebow to anybody. However, as you see sellers running on your screen right now, that has been something I've noticed on the message boards over the last couple of weeks, couple of months. That's Tim Tebow that comparison. Fan yeah. base would love to see sellers come out there in short yarded situations. Now, regardless if that is their plan, the beauty is in comparison to what Florida went through, and Florida's team obviously was very, very good, very good. But the difference is back then, if you went out there for one play, you lost your eligibility. So you, you at that point, you had to make sure that it was going to be worth it to put a freshman out there. So yeah. I think with Sellers is, whether it be North Carolina, whether it be Firm, um, Furman, regardless of who it is, I think USC is going to find ways to try to get him out there on the field if they feel like it is in the best interest of the team to continue to use him in whatever role that is if they do decide to use him in some type of package moving forward, if they feel like it can help them win games this year, then I think they'll do that. I think they will. However, however, if they don't, and that's the other beauty of it, it doesn't have to be the first four games. You can kind of spread things out. You can kind of spread things out. And if you've been under a rock the last couple of days, even going back to last week, Shane Beamer announced that, Luke Doty is the number two quarterback. And if you've been following our show, if you've been following Gamecock Central going back to last winter, really, but especially the spring, that should not surprise you one bit. And that's not a slate against sellers. It's just the reality of, okay, he's a freshman quarterback. He's still learning. So I think it's going to be a combination of wait and see how the season goes. Is it in the best interest of the team on top of how much are they using him? Right. Yep. Is it worth putting him out there? I'm making this up in some of those packages, and he's only playing, I don't know, a play a game, two plays a game. Is that worth it? Can you justify that for a year of eligibility if you feel like he can be the guy in the future? I mean, obviously, South Carolina is doing a hell of a job of recruiting some talented young quarterbacks. You have Dante Reno, who's going to be arriving in January. You know, Landon Duckworth. 
class of 2026. We know there's some other quarterbacks in the class of 2025 they're going after. They have some talented quarterbacks that they're going to be adding to that room. And while Sellers is going to have the leg up on everybody, if you feel like he's going to be the guy in the future, you got to ask yourself, is it worth using that year of eligibility? That's the question. And right now, I don't even know if South Carolina truly knows that answer because, again, I feel like they're going to play the wait-and-see game. Put them out there a little bit. Is this in the best interest of our team for this year? Is this the best interest of our team in the future? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the next question kind of – I mean, same thing. Do you think Sellers will play at all this season? Um, kind of just touched on that. And I mean, if you're asking me, like if Shane called me up last offseason and said, hey, intern Joe, like we want you to be the new offensive coordinator. Like we're getting this kid Sellers in. And granted, what a conversation know, that would yeah. be on the phone. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, what do you want to do with this kid Sellers? And if, if I'm the OC, I'm not risking it just because of what he's been able to show. I, I mean, the short yardage package, we we saw it with Pat Mahomes in the NFL. It's where guys get dinged up, and it's where they get mm-hmm. dinged up bad. I don't think you really want your, your – I, I don't know if you can call him a star quarterback yet, but potentially star quarterback um, of the future. I don't – I mean, I wouldn't run him in for any short yardage situation, get his knee blown out or something like that. I think that's what you have – and, and not to say you're putting D.K. Joyner in there to blow his knee out or anything, but I think that's that's what D.K. Joyner at running back is, you know, being – brought up for brought into running back for it to be able to go into some of those short yardage situations and you don't, get, get you don't feel good you don't you don't feel good with sell i know what you're saying i'm just playing no, devil's advocate I diving here. into the pile no i don't i'm just like, playing I, devil's advocate here. you don't I feel good no you don't feel better about it knowing not. that he's up to no. 245 no. no 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 absolutely not no okay because you you just don't want to take a risk with a kid like that. Like if he if he is everything that you say he is, and all of the potential and excitement and wowing in the spring game and and all that, I you you don't risk an injury like that because it's a serious knee injury or something like that. That I mean, it cripples him for. And that's and just real quickly, just to piggyback off of what Joe's saying and kind of what we've been talking about with Sellers, but Lynn brings up saying uh, we have ruined so many yes, freshman quarterbacks exactly. throwing them into the fire. That exactly. is the beauty of this. And just to piggyback off it just a little bit more, we'll move to the next question. Last night with Joyner on the show, and you can actually see the full video. Again, this was the Garnet Knights Unplugged little new Garnet Trust show that we did over at the new CB18 bar that Steve Tannehill and Cox by 90 recently opened up down in five points. We had DK as well as Heather Hines, goalkeeper of USC Women's Soccer there. But last night, one of the things that DK said, I just want to read this quote real quick. We can watch the video on Gamecock Central. And and by the way, if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, this video, this story on GC is free. But we have a weekly special right now. Okay, the kickoff to the to, to a new season, fifty percent off your first year of Gamecock Central. If you're a new subscriber, head on over. You'll be able to hit the link, sign up. I mean, shoot, pay about like what, 50 bucks for the year, something like that. I mean, you can't beat that. Can't beat that. You get football, then obviously basketball, baseball, everything else in between. Recruiting, of course, is a big thing with Gamecock Central. You'll get the best. You'll get all the access to on three and the incredible database that it has. But just reading something real quick. DK last night, when I asked him, I said, who's a player that fans should be keeping an eye on? And he said it should be Lenora Sellers. 
And I just wanted to read a quote real quick. He said, quote, his locker is two lockers down from mine, so I talk to him often. When he has great days and when he has bad days, I'm always there just to pick his head up. One thing that I always tell him is just to stay true to yourself. Don't ever let someone tell you what you can't do in this era of playing quarterback. Just to stay true to yourself and to never give up on your dreams. If you want something, then go get it. It sounds so simple. And it's like, wow. I mean, DK obviously is just an incredible human. Unbelievable human, Mike. He's gone through this. Favorite. He's gone through this. He came in. The South Carolina hero, Mr. Football for South Carolina at Fort Dorchester. Yep. He was supposed to be the guy at quarterback. Now, I'm not comparing quarterback like Sellers or Steve. My point being is he understands it. Tough, yeah. Unders- so for DK, oh, that's so clutch to mention out. him, this should excite fans. Yeah. It should excite fans. It's huge to have a guy like DK in the locker room for Lenoris' freshman season. Whatever they do. If, they, if Shane listened to my rant just there and – you know, said not to play him or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, Jane just texted me and said, hell of a rant there yeah, by intern exactly. Joe. Exactly. No, yeah. but so, like, if, if they somehow watch this and listen and, and decide not to play him, I think you've got a guy in DK Joyner that, I mean, whatever they decide to do with Lenoris, whether he, you know, goes out there and is the next, you know, they, they, they have the Tebow package with him or, you know, Spencer gets hurt or something. Who knows what could happen? Uh, but I, I, I think it should excite fans to have, like Mike said, a guy who's been through the exact same thing, all the hype, everything, just have a guy who's been through that, not only physically, but mentally as well. Cause it, I mean, Shane's talked about it too, even just guys trying to drown out some of the noise, mm-hmm. um, especially all their star freshmen. Uh, so I think it's huge to have a guy like DK in there for Lenoris, just because he he's going to be able to, you know, kind of pick apart his head and, and just, you know, be there when he needs it. Plain and simple. That's Let's stay with DK. Let's stay with DK. Cody ask over under one and a half touchdown passes this season for DK. Joe, I'll let you answer this first. I will say this though. Just want to throw this out there. Okay. Give you an idea. Cause as we know, DK has done everything. He's run the football, thrown the football. He's got passes, done special teams. DK in his career, he has two touchdown passes, okay? He has two touchdown passes. Now, the most passes he's ever attempted in a season was his redshirted freshman year back in 2019 through 28 passes. But I bring that up just because, you know, you have an idea of how many he's thrown, and obviously you have a very good quarterback in Spencer Rattler there. Do you think DK will throw more than one and a half touchdown passes this year. Yeah, and I'm gonna set the reset the line to two. Uh, I think or two and a half. Um, really, you gonna you gonna take the over at two and a half? Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll I'll go as far. Do you as think I he's know. gonna throw three this year? Three touchdowns. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's a it's so one would come on a punt, fake some kind of some kind of special teams fake, and then you got another one, just kind of like a little pop pass, something like that in a big game. I I don't know. I think two and a half is a reasonable reasonable line realistically it's probably under two and a half um but i would take the over of cody's line of one and a half i think he'll because he's, he's they're gonna do it once they're gonna run some kind of weird fake two i think it's i mean it's a long season and if he performs well at running back they have so well, many different looks to run stuff out of like 
they'll just i mean it'll open up a world of fake plays and so what did we talk about we talked about the 600 club now is that something south carolina should necessarily worry about no no however and this is going to probably piss some people off but i put this in my bull predictions that just came out on gamecock central i don't know if that dropped today or yesterday with colin taylor he put out all our predictions the reason i can see this happening is because and I'm not saying it will happen, but South Carolina gets to a bowl game. There's always the possibility of players opting out. Who's to say Spencer Rattler wouldn't opt out? That's not mm-hmm. saying that that's what I hope Big will ahead. happen. But the point being is there's a lot of unknowns. So two oh, touchdown passes this year. Look, he's playing running back. I mean, we've seen how many times we've seen halfbacks throw passes. I mean, that's what happened last year. It was a little trick play from a wide receiver, and I would yeah. consider him in that point kind of like a running back. It was like a orbit orbit uh, motion, if I remember correctly. At least I believe that's what they called it's it. Just, yeah, there's so much passing. Brooks said that that's what they call yeah. that orbit motion that they do. But yeah. the point being is DK, at least we're assuming, because he's going to be the starting running back, he's going to have the ball in his hands more this year than he's ever had in a season, right? I'm looking at the numbers right now, okay? Number of rushing attempts that he's had in his career, 64. Most rushing attempts that he's had yet in a season was back during that redshirt freshman season when he was playing quarterback. 29 attempts, okay? Passing attempts, most he's had in a season, 28. So we start adding up these numbers here, 64, uh, 45 catches, if I do the math out, and I'm not including special teams here, but ballparking it, ballparking it, you're just under 150 touches in your career. And that's a five-year career, okay? We registered one of those years. But my whole point is he'll probably have more touches this season than he's had in all those years combined. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the fact yeah. that he already has two touchdown passes, and those touchdown passes came, and obviously – you know, one of them came in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. But he was listed as a receiver that year. The other one listed as a receiver. I don't think it's crazy to think that he's going to hit the over. I'm going to go with the over. Three, though? Uh, I don't know about three, Joe, but I, I yeah, definitely will take the one and a half. Yeah, absolutely. As I get back to the comments here, get a couple more. My laptop is about to. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap up. Yeah, Intern we'll wrap Joe, up. he doesn't have that laptop. Yep. That laptop charger. Laptop at, charger. Just at the long How much up. juice you have left, Joe? I'm at like eight percent. So okay, um, we're gonna wrap up. Let's we'll, answer we'll, for the rest of these questions. Yeah, Tyler. We'll Tyler says, "Do y'all think the O line has a chance to be a good bit better than last season?" I do, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be because of the players they have. I'm not saying that this group isn't better than last year's group. I know that last year's group. Took a beating at times because they were there for a while in terms of that unit. The reason why I feel like they can be better is because they have a new offensive coordinator. And I feel like you'll see more man blocking schemes in comparison to zone blocking. And the reason I say that is because they really struggled with zone blocking over the last two years. So I, I think the combination of the talent they've brought in here, but more so because you have a new play caller should make you optimistic in believing that the O-line will have more success this year. Again, how quickly they develop that rapport, that's the biggest question. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the only thing holding them back is themselves. Um, just getting 
good and tight knit with each other um, is their biggest thing. If they play well as a unit, and we saw that last year, they got way better as a unit as as the year went on. So I think if I mean it all all depends on how well they come out as playing as a unit, and if they can do that, they're going to have a lot of success. Big Red, how many times will DK throw the ball against you and see every time he throws against these guys, we win? Um, Where are you setting the line at? Are you just going to set it at half? Is he going to throw it or not? I think he's going to throw it, yeah. I, I, I think this staff is – What would you set the line at? Probably two. I, I think he'll try to throw it twice. I Just because I think this staff, this staff thinks it's funny. They're playing into the whole DK and Charlotte against UNC thing. I, I, I think he's going to throw the ball – more than once i don't know but i think the staff thinks it's really funny or, or i shouldn't well not but you know i think i think they're playing into the whole dk at, at bank of america stadium against unc i think they realize you know all of the the elephant in the room is dk said so i think they're gonna play into it he'll throw a pass maybe two i don't know i have i'm just gonna i'm playing it safe uh i'm just going with the over at a half you yeah. know i mean if you want to have better odds and all that stuff. You can move the line up to one and a half, two and a half, three and a half. I'm just going with one throw. I think DK will have one throw. What that play will look like, I don't know if it'll be the first uh, play. I, I don't know no if idea. it'll be a goal line situation. I don't know if it's coming out and having Rattler motion no, out. And he's for him. I mean, you could have a situation where Rattler motions out yeah, and then DK's in the backfield already in a shotgun. So I think we'll yep. see him throw at least once. Yep, absolutely. Lynn asked why couldn't. DK five, take the Tebow package. It's exactly what I'm saying. Um, in, in terms of the whole DK or sellers debate, I think Lynn and I are thinking very much alike here. And I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, Joe, but here, here's why. Here's why. What did you just say? Why you're worried about sellers doing that? And just give me the short answer. Getting why hurt, are you worried about hurt? And then, yes. I okay. Guess, yeah. Okay. Who's your starting running back? What happens if your starting running back gets hurt because you're yeah. trying to overuse him? And I get, and that's that's why you use the freshman in the short yardage package to begin with. <laughs> that was why they yeah. they used Tebow because they didn't want to hurt. Yep. yep. So I, it's a great. I'm just using your words against you to just be a wise guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I think you you already dealt with it. The, makes the hurt well, what you're thing. saying. What you're saying though, I don't more sense entirely disagree with it though. Peyton says yeah. if Rattler and, goes for 300 yards, 20 of 25, four touchdowns. Is that good enough to win Saturday night? Yeah, one thousand percent. Especially, yeah. Based on looking at that stat line, if he has no interceptions, I mean that's the big thing yes, to me. No interceptions is a big one. Here's if the, he, if he has that stat line and two interceptions, they lose. Our coworker, our coworker of our, of our parent company, I guess you would say parent company, um, yeah. on three, JT uh, JD Bakel, he was talking about this matchup, and one of the things he mentioned, and I thought he was right on the right on it. And, and J.D. has played football at Baylor. He played at Cornell. He understands football. Sometimes your best defense is your offense. And when you look at this game, everyone wants to talk about Drake May. What's the best thing that South Carolina can do to help their chances of winning? Keeping him off the field. So when we're talking about protecting the football, if Rattler is able to go out there and he's able to just protect the ball, right? No interceptions. No fumbles from the running backs, receivers. They protect the football. I really like South Carolina's chances. I, I really, that. really. Now, you want to throw the 300 yards in there, 20 of 25, four touchdowns. So, I mean, shoot, at that point, we're looking at 14, 21-point win. You could see both Drake May and Spencer Rattler both going for, like, two bills and change yeah. um, and, like, two or three touchdowns apiece and having it be a dogfight, which I fully expect to, to happen. I mean, 
you know, one going for high hundred and some odd yards, another one going for some 200 yards. Um, it's going to be a dogfight. It's just, Mike, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's the, both of these defenses are unproven. So it's whichever one can go get more takeaways. will win the game. I had it next to me intern Joe. I want you to tell people about your show on Sunday because I want yeah, to read the whole really, schedule because really there's a lot of GC live shows this season. Tons of it. Yeah. So super exciting news. Obviously, we talked about it last week, but I'm getting my own show. I guess you can say here at Gamecock Central, I will be manning this Sunday slot um, for Gamecock Central. It's going to be super fun. New new venture we're getting out into. Um, it's called The Walkthrough. We finally have a name for it. Um, and our good friend over at Gamecock today is working on the artwork. Appreciate him doing that on such short notice. He's the best. Um, super excited to see what he can cook up. And then we'll have, I guess, episode one or a pilot um, soon. And then Sunday will be the official episode one. I will be joined by Colin Taylor and Kendall Smith. All right. Two of my favorite people on the planet next to Mike, of course. Um, so I'm super excited about that. It'll kind of be, it'll be 30, 45 minute show, just kind of wrapping up, obviously everything um, that you you know may have missed on Saturday or that we may have missed in the post game show on Saturday. Just kind of wrap it up. Pre little preview of next week. as well. What time Joe? Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. And then um, what time is the show? Aaron? Oh, what time is the show going to come out? I'm, I'm shooting for six or seven o'clock ish. Just kind of depends on what time I finish editing it. Um, we'll see. Week one, week one, after week one, we'll have a good idea of just how long it takes me to edit everything and, and get it down as we are a one-man crew back here editing. But um, it's going to be podcast form. So um, if you guys want to chime in or, or comment for next week, I'll be taking suggestions in in, in the WordPress or on, on, on our website with the article, on the message boards, anywhere. Tweet at me, DM me, anything you have for my podcast. And I'll talk about a little bit more about that as we get closer to that. But super exciting stuff, the walkthrough on Saturday. It'll be ready Monday all right. morning for all your podcasts, for your, for your drive to work and all that stuff. So the walkthrough, going to recap the game that was. And for those people that enjoy listening to our shows, and I'm sure there's many people that listen to the show that Chris and Wes do in the afternoon for GC Live, you are going to be very happy with what I'm about to tell you if you haven't heard by now. There is going to be a GC Live show every single day during the course of the season, okay? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, GC Live with Chris and Wes will take place at 2 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Yep. Tuesdays, GC Live talking Tuesdays. That's not changing. You're here. Intern You're right Joe here. myself, yep. 7 o'clock every night, every Tuesday, excuse me, throughout the course of the yep. season. Here's what's new. On Thursdays, on Thursdays, we will be doing a GC Live at 2 that I'll be hosting. Some of that could change from a timing standpoint if we're trying to get a certain guest, but we are going to try to keep that time as consistent as possible uh, because, again, following with uh, Chris's show and Wes's show that they do, the majority of these shows are at 2. So, again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, GC Live with Chris and Wes at 2. Tuesday nights, GC Live Talking Tuesdays with Intern Joe and myself at 7. Mm -hmm. On Thursday, GC Live with uh, myself at 2. On Saturdays, before the game, it's being finalized, but I believe Wes and Kendall are going to be doing their pregame show before the sandstorm. Yep. That is go. on Saturdays. Okay. Postgame, Intern Joe, myself, and a former Gamecock. We had Michael Skarnecki and Perry Worth last year. We will announce the guests 
coming up in the next couple days. That will return. We'll have the call-in number so you can call in immediately after the game. And then Sunday night, we needed another show. So God help us all. We have handed the keys over to intern Joe. Intern Joe is growing up before our very own eyes. Intern Joe will have a show on Sunday night. Now there's other stuff going on in between. We'll also have, I'll also be putting out my mix in a water Monday segment with the former Gamecock. We'll also have other videos in there. That's not changing, but there is some type of live programming going on, or in this case, the walkthrough will be taped, but there'll be some type of programming going on every day with Gamecock central every day. So very exciting, very exciting. Um, And we're, we're happy to, to have football back. We'll have football back. Um, Lynn yeah, says, and we'll wrap fun. things up real quick. Lynn says, I'm sorry if I missed it. Any updates on the Sandstorm logger in Charlotte? Nothing yet, Lynn. Um, to my knowledge, I know that those conversations, at least the last I was told, are still ongoing. There's things that I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know exactly how everything works when it comes to the distribution and what, how you're able to do it, how quickly you're able to get it. But it is something that I'm going to continue to push for them to be able to get up there. I don't know if it will happen in time for Saturday. I do know, and I think we've shared it before. I'll try to share it one more time before we sign off, before intern Joe's computer dies on him. Um, let's see here. Try to share this real quick. Try to find this photo on my computer so where we can find the – Oh, also shout out Nate Atkins for making the fifty-two or fifty-three man. Yeah, how about that? Nate Atkins makes the fifty-three man roster. Jalen Brooks made the fifty-three man roster. There's some other players in there, but I just want to confirm before I go out there and just say, "Oh yeah, that player made it. This one made it." Okay, yeah. here it is. Nate Atkins. So yep. Fun. Here you go. Here you go. This is where the Sandstorm Logger is being sold right now. As far as which stores are selling it that's a different story you might have to contact your local you know grocery store or wherever you get your beer uh, to find out but typically wherever steel hands is sold you'll be able to find it but in these areas okay um right now it's columbia this was posted on the 23rd i don't know if aiken myrtle beach greenville rock hill and spartanburg are selling them quite yet. I know it was coming soon. Some of those places I'm assuming based on the conversations I've had with people that it is being sold in some of those spots. I just don't know which ones, but I I would assume by the end of the week that in all those areas, it'll be sold. So if you're trying to get some, my recommendation for the game, that is my recommendation would be pick it up in Columbia. If you're one of these areas, Greenville, Spartanburg, Rock Hill, Myrtle beach, Aiken, Reach out to that um, liquor store. I keep saying liquor store because back up north we can't, we don't have Stock beer. Yeah, you have to give to you have to go to a, an ABC store. You can't just go to the grocery store. But whether you know you go to a grocery store, whatever, reach out to them, find out if they sell it, grab it, and bring it up to Charlotte if that's what you're trying to do. Because again, unfortunately, I just I'm not a hundred percent sure if anywhere in North Carolina. Uh, at least the Charlotte area will be selling it. And I don't want to tell you, oh yeah, just go on up and on your way, hop off on this exit. So, okay. 
I'm in North. Lynn says she's in North Carolina, so might have to wait for Furman. I'm I'm sorry, Lynn. I'm going to continue to push for you, though. I'm going to continue to push, and if I have an update, I will share that on Thursday when we do our afternoon show of GC Live. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. I know there was a lot to talk about. Joe, any final thoughts that you have? Are you good to go, my man? I think Joe's computer's starting to die on him right now because he's moving in slow motion and we can't hear him. I think it's going to die. But he's intern Joe. I'm like you. All good to go. Um, I'm, yeah. Should be re- really looking forward to this week, this weekend. I'm going to mute Joe's. Obviously, thing. I think you guys are really good. Yeah, Joe's computer just died on him. He, hang, he hung in there as long as he could. Um, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Real quick, housekeeping note. Tomorrow, on Wednesday, coordinators are going to be speaking. Clayton White, Dal Loggins. We're not sure if Pete Lembo will be speaking tomorrow. Last week, the special teams coordinator met with the media. In the past, Lumbo has met every other week. I would love if Lumbo's talking every week. But then again, I don't know how many schools across the country are having their special teams coach talk every week. But then again, there's not any coach out there from a special teams standpoint that a fan base would want to hear from each week more than Pete Lumbo here in South Carolina. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. If you're not a subscriber, just hit the little bell. Subscribe. It's free. Anytime one of these GC Live shows or any one of our videos come out, as well as updates and commitment breakdown videos, you'll be able to get a notification sent right to your phone, and you'll be able to watch that video. Or if you want to be able to watch on your phone, any of these GC live shows that are going to be coming out this week, you'll be able to get notified there. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to wherever you listen and download your podcast, and you'll be able to find us on Gamecock Central and be able to catch all the shows as well as the episodes that drop on 107.5 The Game during the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. He's in turn, Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. If you're heading up to Charlotte, enjoy the game. If you see the Gamecock Central crew, Don't be a stranger. Come on over, wave, say hello, and let's enjoy this game on Saturday as South Carolina looks to begin the year 1-0, trying to do what they did the last time in this very stadium, and that's being able to take care of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Everyone have yourself a great Tuesday and the rest of the week as we get ready for week one of college football in Charlotte.